Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Pastor Marilyn, and uh, it's great that you can join us online today. Hope you've had a good week and uh, maybe adjusting by now to a few different changes that have been happening in our world. Probably still adjusting until trying to work out where it all fits and what's going to change and what's going to stay the same and uh, and what you're gonna, not going to do anymore. Maybe, I don't know, but there's been lots of stuff happening and you've had plenty of time to think about that over these last weeks. Through the week, I, um, I heard a great story. And uh, it was, uh, I, I just want to start off by sharing this story to you. And it was by a lady called Cynthia Tobias, who's an author and speaker. And some of you may have heard of her or uh, heard her on podcasts or on video or something like that. And uh, she shared this story about her life. And uh, when I heard it, I thought, you know, it's a, it was a very impacting story and really applied to what I was going to talk about today. She shared the story about how she had just been in a conference and, uh, and she speaks a lot of places all over the world, especially in America, and uh, was at this conference and uh, was flying home and uh, at the airport, got on the plane. Uh, she was tired. She was a bit anxious and had been, you know, busy with lots of people, got on the plane and sort of said, God, I, I don't want to talk to anybody. Usually she'd be on the plane and would maybe chat to people or whatever, but she was tired just wanted to get home and and uh, she flies a lot, she said, and so because she had so many miles, they even upgraded her first class. And she said, oh, Lord, I love an aisle seat, but she got a window seat. She's like, oh, aisle seat would have been better. And, and a guy next to her was in the aisle seat, so she goes, I'm not going to talk to him or whatever. So she had a, she was tired, so had a little bit of attitude. And uh, she said, I'm on this flight, and uh, and she's basically, uh, they get 10 minutes in the flight, get up to 10,000 feet, and then all of a sudden she hears a bang on the right side of the plane, and he sees some sparks fly out of the engine and they lose the right engine of the plane and uh, and the whole plane tilts to the right and uh, and she's like suddenly like oh, I can't this, I'm, this is not my time to die this is I can't this is not the end how, I'm not gonna how can I die on a plane this I've got so much more to do and and all this stuff's going through her mind and and she's looking out and the, and the plane sort of writes itself up a bit and they're still flying and and then everyone's sort of gone quiet and I don't think anyone knows what to do and the guy next to her kind of said like he said, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. We've lost an engine. He goes, yes, I know. I can see that. I saw the engine. I saw the sparks fly out. Yes, I know. It's not good. That's very obvious. And, uh, and so she's like, then she's looking for a flight attendant. And she's and thought, if I find a flight attendant, then they usually, well, I can tell with a panic on their face whether we're going to be good or not. And so uh, she couldn't find one. And then they, a few, sounded like a long time later, but it wasn't only a few minutes. The pilot comes on over the I the speaker and says, okay, as uh, you've probably realized or seen that we've lost our right engine and, uh, and all that. And he said, the good thing is we're in a Boeing 757. The, these planes are de, um, designed to fly on one engine and uh, we can still fly and we're going to make an emergency landing uh, nearby and we're going to be on the ground in 12 minutes. And she's thinking, yeah, we're going to be on the ground one way or the other. Either we're going to crash or we're going to land. And, uh, and so, uh, so she's like, right, and so she had 12 minutes to think about and she thought should I ring anyone should I who should I talk should I write a note should I do something and about life what you know what should I do and all this stuff's going through her mind and anyway she said so they they go along and they end up landing the plane and this is surrounded by emergency fire trucks and ambulances and all this kind of stuff but they made a perfect landing and it was all good. I only had one chance at the landing because with one engine you can't take off again if you miss the landing. It's not enough power so it's like landed or crash and so he landed it all that so they all get scurried off the plane and taken off the plane straight onto another plane. 
and uh, take off again. And she's like, before we even had a choice to think, do we actually want to get back on a plane again after going through that whole situation? They're all back on a plane and flying off to where they need to go home. And so she's on this plane. And this time she gets on the plane and a guy, a younger guy sits next to her and she said, God, I will talk to anyone you want me to talk to. Uh, no problem at all. And uh, so she sits down, this young guy sits next to her and, uh, and he, she starts chatting to him and finding about who he is. And he says, he's a young guy, he's got a couple of kids and a young wife. And uh, what he did was that he um, took uh, million dollar companies and turned them into 500 million dollar companies and flew all over um, you know the America and doing that and, and over the world and and he's on this same flight and then they, they're chatting away for a little while and then this question comes in her mind and uh, and something that she wouldn't usually come out and ask someone and she says to this young guy she says you know back in that plane she said if we'd have crashed were you ready and he sort of looked at her and, um, and he says, no, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And he said, um, you know, I, he said, when, I go, when I'm at home, he said, I'm not home that often. I should be home more. But when I'm home, I, you know, I even teach Sunday school and I go to church. But he said, he said, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready if we crashed. And then, and then there was a pause for a little while. And he said, he said, can I, can I ask you a question? And, she's, and she says, yeah, yeah. And she was thinking it's going to be a deep question about philosophical question about something about life or whatever. And he says to her, he says, uh, have you ever owned a beagle? And, um, and, so she, and so she's like, and she's like, huh? She goes, oh, she goes, no, I've, I've, owned a, I've owned a terrier and I've owned a chihuahua, but I haven't owned a beagle. And, uh, and, she's, and he goes, yeah, well, he says, I've owned a beagle. And so she's going, what is he talking about? And so, and so, and he goes, let me tell you about beagles. And he said that you know, when a beagle picks up a scent of something, it puts its nose down, puts its head down, and it follows the scent. And it'll just put its head down and follow, 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 and keep following that scent right to the end until it finds a source of the scent or till it runs out. And then he said a beagle, when it finds the, the source of the scent, when it stops or it ends, the beagle will put its head up, nose up, and the beagle will have no idea where it is have no idea where it is so the beagle's lost and he said i'm exactly like that beagle and he said back in that plane when i thought we could crash he said i suddenly stopped and i put my head up and he said i had no idea where i was i had no idea where i was in life and he said to her he said i have some major work to do in my life I share that story, it's such a powerful picture and a powerful story because in the current situation we are in, it has forced us all to stop and lift up our head. And some of you are watching and when you lifted up your head maybe a few weeks ago and everything stopped and everything you couldn't do what you're doing, maybe you're busy, 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 head was down, getting stuff done, work doing, focus on this, focus on that, and you hadn't stopped at all for a long time, and suddenly you stopped and you put your head up and you had no idea where you're at in life. You had no idea what was going. You felt lost. You felt like, what do I do now? And you started to think about some things. So I want to talk about that today. You've stopped and realized you don't know where you are. You've stopped and realized that saying, you know, you've got some questions going through your mind. You maybe stopped and asked God, am I doing what you want me to do? 
Have I been doing a lot of things that have kept me busy but not the things you want me to do? And maybe you're watching today and you don't know God at all and you just had some questions about, have I, have I been doing a whole lot of stuff that hasn't really mattered? Have I been focusing all my attention, all my time, all my business on something that actually isn't that important? When there's suddenly you've realized that there's other things that are more important that maybe you've realized spending more time with your family and more time with, you've been, you know, you haven't connected with your friends and now that you can't connect with them face to face for a period of time that you're like, they're actually really important and my family, I didn't realize how important it was and, and how I've needed to spend this time with them. And, and you've started to have all these questions go through your mind. You've asked yourself, what I've been doing with all my time? Are my priorities in the right place? Maybe that's been going through your mind these last weeks. Maybe you've been thinking about what things do I need to change? What priorities do I need to change at this time that, you know, there's some things that you've been doing you thought, you know, when we come back out of this thing, and it won't be exactly the same as it was before, but you're, there's some things you're thinking, oh, I'm just never going to go back to that again. And I'm going to, but and from now on, this is going to be different. Maybe, you've, and you, maybe you're still trying to work that out because maybe you're still thinking, I'm still a bit lost. I'm still trying to work all this out. What does this mean globally? What does this mean in our economy? What, is, what does this whole thing mean? And you've had all these things going through your mind. Have you been busy have I been busy doing all the right things? This time has forced us to slow down and think about our lives and what are the most important things. Some people have stopped and then panicked. We've seen people panic in fear and, and buy things and buy toilet paper and buy all these this food, thinking I'm going to be stuck at home for months and I can't get out and, and just panic, went into panic mode about because they had fear was controlling them and fear, uh, yet they thought, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't understand and, and so there was panic happened. Some people have stopped and are still working out what to do. Maybe you're still trying to adjust and work out what to do. And other people, you've made adjustments and you're still making adjustments about the situation and you're still thinking and trying to work out how this future is going to look. One thing that has happened around the world is that has there has been an increase in people searching for spiritual answers about life. And I looked up a few statistics in the last six to eight weeks. Bible sales have gone up from 40% to 140% in most places. So 40% as a minimum it has gone up in many places around the world, Bible sales or people downloading Bibles online, up to 140%. So there's people are grabbing something because people have felt fearful. People thought, where, where do I go? What can I read? And so they grab the Bible. They're grabbing, they're reading about a book that may give them comfort and reading about God. People have, it, you know, people have the thoughts about, is this the end of the world? Is what's, what's going on? There's this crisis happening. You know, what, what I need to get my life right. I'll grab a Bible. I'll start to read it. Maybe it'll give me some answer so bible sales have gone up other people have been there's been increase in prayer there's been uh, people asking for prayer or they've been um, praying in general they've done surveys and two to three times the amount of prayer is happening and and prayer requests is uh, i think it was the anglican church in in the uk uh, said they created this uh, app prayer app recently when all this happened they couldn't meet in churches and they still have it going and they said they'd usually have prayer requests coming through all their churches nationwide and uh, it's gone up four times just with this app four times the amount of people are asking for prayer asking for healing asking for needs in their life and so there's an increased awareness of spiritual things and people have spiritual questions and are aware 
that this is more than just the physical, that there's much more to this. It's made people realize that I need to think about more than just my busyness, my job, my things I'm doing. There's, I need to think about life and every aspect of life around us. So maybe you've stopped. And like that beagle, like that guy on the plane, he stopped and he put his head up and he said, I have, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea. My life, I was busy, 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 and suddenly life, I just feel a bit lost. I don't know exactly what I'm doing or if I'm doing the right thing. And maybe that's you today. And I want to speak to you specifically today. And those that are trying to work out what I need to do, what adjustments I need to make. And I want to do that by sharing a story. And it might be a story you've read before, you've heard before. It's a well-known story in the Bible, but it's very powerful. And it's and every time you read it, it's powerful to think about what is behind this story. It's a story that Jesus told. And it's titled, there's a few different titles for it. One is called The Loving Father. The other title that's used in the, in the Bible is The Lost Son. And it's in Luke 15, 11 to 31. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And, and Jesus said in verse 11, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Now, throughout, when I share this story, I'm going to throw it throw in a few background things of actually what is going on here because we're talking about in a Jewish culture where Jesus was talking to uh, Jews and they would have understood this but because we don't live in that we don't understand but basically the son coming to the father in the light of Middle Eastern culture it was a great offense for the son to do that and ask his father for his inheritance it would be the equivalent of saying I wish you had already died dad so I could have your inheritance. I wish you were already dead. That's how offensive it would be for a son to come. He would usually get that after the father had passed away. You got the oldest son, then it would go to the youngest son. But then he's the youngest son and he's saying, I want my share, Dad. I want my share. Give it to me. And it's like he's saying, I wish you'd already died. I wish you'd passed away so I could have what was mine. And then... And then it says, the last line, So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. In other words, in the Greek, it literally means he gave them his life. He gave, he'd get all that he had, all that he'd worked for, all his, his, his wealth. He, said he gave it to them and divided it up. So he gave them his whole life. Then it goes on to say this, verse 13, Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all that he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. So he just wasted it all. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry for there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Do you know that this would have been degrading to anyone because this is talking about someone who was a Jew, but especially to a Jew because they were forbidden to raise swine. They were forbidden to work with pigs. And here he is, had all this money, wasted it all on extravagant living. And here he finds himself in the middle of the most despicable place that he could think of. And he was so hungry, he was willing to eat the slop that 
is in a pig pen. Have you ever been to a pig farm? I've been to a pig farm. You can smell a pig farm before you even get there a long way off. Uh, and when you get up close, it's not a place you want to hang out uh, too long at all. It's messy, it's dirty, the pigs love it, um, but it's not somewhere where you want to hang out as a person. And he's in the middle of all that in a place. And then this happens. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they uh, want and plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these, these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So he was just happy just to go back as, a, as one of his father's employees, as a slave, whatever, and because that was way better than where he was right now. He'd been really humbled. And it was a moment for the son, exactly like the guy on the plane, exactly like, you know, maybe for some of you of like through this crisis, suddenly there's a shock of you've stopped and, and looked up. And for the son, he suddenly stops in the middle of this pig pen, lifts up his head and looks around and goes, what am I doing here? What, what am I doing in this place? How did I end up in this place? And he starts to think of home. He starts to think about his father. He starts to think about the servants and the, and the, and the employees. And like he said, they're way better off than where I am here. He said, oh, I'm happy just to go back and just be nothing because it's better than where I am right now. And he thought, how do I, what? He just felt totally lost. And when you're lost, you need to go back to a fixed point of knowing where I need to get back. You need to go back, fixed point of truth, a fixed point you know that is steadfast and strong. And so he goes, I need to go back to my father. I need to go back home. That's where it's safe. And so the young son set off for home for a long distance away. His father saw him coming. I want you to think about this picture. You might want to close your eyes or whatever, just in your mind. Think about this. So the son sent off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. His father saw him coming. The son had been away many days. That points to me, that, that speaks to me that the father had gone out probably every day looking for his son, waiting for his son to hit rock bottom, waiting for his son to come home. And so he sees him coming, dressed as a beggar. And this is, look, what the, look what the father does. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Now you've got to understand he's dressed like a beggar. He's been in a pig pen. He stinks like a pig. He's horrible. He's dirty. Hasn't had a shower. He's hungry. He's starving. He's probably thirsty walking all that distance. And the father does not care because his love for his son is so great that he runs and holds him. It doesn't matter if he's stunk or whatever. He probably smelt him for a long way off. And he hugged him and he kissed him because he was his son. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be your, called your son. Just let me be. And, he, and, the, and just let me be. And, he, and the father cuts him off. He's about to say, just let me be one of the servants. Let me be one of the slaves. And the father doesn't let him say it. He cuts him off. And he says, the father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. You're home. It's all that matters. You're home. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe. 
my very own robe. And I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Do you know what that ring signified? Culturally, the ring was an emblem of authority, giving the son authority to transact business in the father's name. And he gives him the authority back of the whole household and family. He'd just gone and wasted a whole lot of money. He's a terrible businessman. He just The son had wasted everything. And the father says, no, give him the ring. Give him that authority. He's my son. I love him. Give him the ring. And he gives him the ring. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. The reason why he wanted to put shoes back on his feet straight away is because slaves were bare feet, but the sons were always in shoes. And he said, you're not going to look like a slave. I don't want you to be my servant, my slave, or whatever. I want you to be my son. So he puts shoes on his feet. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. There's a party happening at home. And now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as, as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? He says, what's all he's been busy out working? Everyone else is at the party. Older son's working, working hard, hard, hard. And he comes in, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. He's, he's, he's grumpy. He's like, he doesn't deserve that. How can you possibly? He's angry at his dad. He's angry at his younger brother. He's angry at the whole situation. In the culture of that era, hospitality was supreme importance. To refuse to go into the feast when it was his responsibility as the older son to culturally co-host the event with the father was a humiliating rejection of the father. So here is the older brother's basically saying, Dad, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to. I, this, is, you just, this is terrible. You should never accept him back like that. He's going to waste all your possessions, all your money. And how dare you just go on and just, you know, accept him back so easily and then celebrate and, and do all this stuff. He, he's, he basically put his hand up in his father's face pretty much and said, I don't want any part of this. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? Remember, notice the language he used. He says, I've been working like a slave. This is understanding the mindset of the older son. Performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son. And now I've, once di- now I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But I look at this son of yours... Didn't call him his brother. This son of yours, Dad, he's come back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing him a great feast to celebrate for him. You're throwing this great feast, and he's like whinging, complaining about everything that's going on. You know, the younger brother pursued self-discovery. Pursued, I'm going to go off and I'm going to live life and, and just you know go find out who I am or whatever he wanted to do and just go off to another land. That's what he did with all his wealth and, and tried to find out who he was and discover life and discover another place and it all fell in a heap for him. The older brother worked constantly 
was faithful to his dad, but he just worked, 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 trying to earn favor from his father. That's what he did. That's why he was still down the field while the party's starting, because he's working. He thought, if I can work and show that I'm so faithful to my dad, that he'll accept me and love me even more. So he's trying to earn favor from his dad. And both of the sons needed a revelation of the grace of his of their father the older brother needed to learn to have grace towards his father for accepting his younger brother back so easily so lovingly and the younger brother he also needed grace towards his younger brother to forgive him to see that you know what had happened to him he was lost and now he's found he's come back home that he needed to have grace towards that and the younger brother learned the grace of his father. So both of the two sons, the younger and the older, both understood and needed a revelation of the grace. And finally, it goes on and says, The father said, My son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. And this story that we have just read is a picture of God's love towards you and me. He said he was dead and gone. He said the son was dead and gone, but now he's lost and now he's found. He was, he's dead, but he's basically alive again. He, we thought we'd totally lost him. And this is a picture. This, the father in this story is a picture of how much God loves you and me. It's a picture of his love towards us. Us, the love he had for his son is the same love he has towards you and me. So if you're feeling lost, like we talked about before, you've put your head up, you suddenly thought, what am I doing with my life? When I can't do what I was just doing, the busyness has slowed down, you start to think about life and you're going to think, I'm not sure I'm doing everything, not everything's in the right place. You've got some things out of place and you're feeling a little bit lost and you know you need to make some adjustments and you're sort of thinking, I'm not sure exactly how to make those adjustments. So if you're feeling like that, you need to come back to some simple things. You need to come back to your identity. Your identity is found in knowing how much God loves you. You need to come back to some stuff going, where, where do I find my identity? Where do I find the basis of where I am? Where, I, where does my life come from? Your identity is found in how much God loves you and knowing his amazing grace towards you, just like, like the amazing grace towards the son that the father had. Knowing how God thinks of you, then you can have whatever goes on around you. You can have people say things about you, do this, treat you badly, whatever it may be. But when you know that God loves you, when you know what God thinks of you, when you know how much grace He has towards you, then no matter what happens around you, that will be strong enough for you. That'll keep you firm and steadfast. And it's like those things will bounce off around you because you feel secure. You feel loved in God's love for you. You feel that peace in your heart, in your life, because God, you know that God loves you, then He's not going to let you down. That even if you even if you walked away, even if you've turned your back on God, it's like you you take one step back and it's like He's looking out for you. He's searching for you. He's running towards you, saying, I've been looking for you, I've been waiting for you. And he puts his loving arms around you. He says, You're not lost, you're found. You're not lost, you're found. You might feel a bit lost, but I'll show you and I'll direct you and I'll help you at this time to find out where you need to be. What are the most important things in your life? And he he said, I will show you, I'll remind you of how good I am. 
This story is a story of grace. It shows how much God the Father loves us and how readily He will show grace towards us. He doesn't want you to feel lost. He wants us to be found by Him. He wants us to know His love. And everything else in life will flow out of that. You're thinking, what am I meant to do? What, what justice do I need to make? If you start with that as your basis and understand that your relationship with God is the most important thing, knowing His love in your life, Him loving you, you loving Him, then everything else will flow out of that. Everything else you do, the decisions you make will happen with God in mind. In Matthew 6.33, it talks a bit about this. It says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him. Then all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. So it says, when you chase after the realm of God's kingdom, you put God's kingdom first, you put God first, and it says all the less important things, because all everything else is less important than Him, all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. God will reveal. God will give them to you. You don't have to go try and grab them or strive for them. They'll be given to you abundantly when you put God first. God, what do you want me to do with this time? You might be asking yourself. God, what should I prioritize for my life? Your answer is found in knowing God. Your answer is found in coming back to relationship with Him and just saying, God, Here's my life. I don't I haven't got it all together at the moment. I'm feeling a little bit lost. You've got to be you've got to be honest with him. I'm feeling I'm trying to adjust some things and God, would you help me? And that's all you have to do, and God will help you. One last thought. As I was thinking through the week, I had this thought. Do you realize that God put people of this world first when, when we're talking about the cross? and about Jesus dying on the cross, do you realize that he put you and me first? He put the people of this world first before his own son Jesus on the cross. Do you realize he put you first and Jesus second? And he allowed his son to die on the cross, that Jesus willingly went to the cross? So before that happened, so as Jesus went to the cross, he put us first because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted to show how much he loved us. He wanted to reveal that to us. And so he put us first before Jesus on the cross. But on the other side of the cross, when Jesus is risen back from the dead, and when we come into relationship with Jesus, he says this. Now he asks that our own lives, in our own lives, we put Jesus first and the things of this world second. He flips it around. He says, I'll put, I put you first over my son, but now that my son has won the victory on that cross, and has paid a price that we could not pay. That he's, God has shown his love for us. He said, now I want you to put my son first in your life. I want to put Jesus first and the things of this world second. And if we do it that way, we're putting his kingdom first, then everything else will fall into place. So today you may be feeling a little bit lost, uncertain, trying to work things out, trying to make adjustments. You're, you're thinking, okay, what things am I never going to go back to again? What things were I doing? You know, this time it's shaken things up, and that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's think what is what is shaken and what is what is false or what is not needed will will fall away, but what is needed will remain. What is true will remain. And so you need to ask, say, God, I want the things in my life that I need to remain. And today you might be watching, you've never known Jesus. You've never given your life to him. You can simply come to him today and say, Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive me. I feel lost. I don't really know you. But God says, if you'll ask me, I'll forgive you. You can say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sin. 
You can thank God for sending Jesus to die on that cross for you. And you can pray your own prayer, a simple prayer. And at the end of this message, there'll be someone will help you do that. We can send you a Bible. We can get in contact with you if you need someone to talk to or pray with. But God, it all starts with your relationship with God. It all starts with just coming back to basics and saying, understanding and knowing how much God truly loves you and that he went to the extent of his allowing his own son to die on a cross for you because he loved you so much. I'm just going to pray to finish today. And I pray that wherever you're sitting, listening, watching, whether that's in your lounge room or listening in your car, whatever it may be, that I pray that God's love would invade and surround you right now as I pray this prayer. So Lord, I just thank you for your word that is true, that is powerful. I thank you, Lord God, that if we have stopped and all of us have had to slow down and when we've stopped, we've suddenly looked up and we've looked around and we thought some of us have felt like lost, some of us have felt anxious, some of us have felt a bit confused, some of us have thought, what am I meant to do now? But I pray, Father God, that as we work through this time, that we would just simply say, God, I'm coming back to you. God, I've realized that I've, I've maybe gone my own way, I've done my own thing, but now, God, I want to come back to you and I want to know your love. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that right now, that your love would fill and surround every person that's watching today, every person that's listening right now, that your love would, would surround them, they would feel your tangible love, your presence would be with them, Lord God, that people that are feeling a bit lost would suddenly feel your comfort, Holy Spirit, surrounding them. And I pray right now that you'd be with them and you would strengthen them and you would help them and that, Lord, that they, their hearts would be open to you, that you would just come in and you begin to speak to their, them gently with words of life and encouragement, that they would you'd start to help people put things in priority and see things clearly and not have things jumbled, but see what is the most important things. And they would put those in most important things first, that family and friends and all these things, Lord God, would be put in the right place, Lord God. And, and Lord, as we have extra time to think about these things, I pray that you'd help people to make the adjustments they need to make. Lord, I thank you that you're with us, that you love us. I thank you, Lord God, that... Um, that the good things are coming. The best is yet to come. I believe that, that there's good things coming, that God's hand is upon our lives, how God's hand is upon our nation, and that he hasn't forgotten us. He, he's like the father who's he's looking out for people. He's, he's out, his arms are outstretched waiting for people to turn to him and to see him and search for him. And I, and I thank you, Lord God, that, that you would reach into people's hearts and lives and you'd help to rescue people and so many people would come to know you. People that are looking for spiritual answers, Lord God, at this time, people People that are being awakened to spiritual things and have questions, I pray they would find it, Lord, by knowing you, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that you're with us, Lord. You're our comfort, our Holy Spirit. You never leave us nor forsake us, but you're with us, Lord God. And I pray you'd speak to people's hearts today. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.basarchristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Basar Christian Church.